0: So Kevin Barker, do you make anything out of the fact that Greg Bird, who was given his release by the Blue Jays yesterday after the two of us and just about everybody else in this city had assumed that he'd made the team, do you read anything into the fact that Greg Bird signed a minor league contract with the Yankees today uh, and that he will report to AAA? Um, My first reaction is... She's got screwed here. <laughs> Dude ah. said, get me, said to his agent, yo, get me into a camp. Let me eat all their food, drink all their water, suck up all their information. Let me see what this newfangled hitting lab is about. Let me compile all this intelligence and I'll take it with me. You think he's, he's taking I smell, cell I smell, phone
1: a, videotape? I smell a rat. What it looks like? I, I smell What's a rat. What's it smell
0: like? Smells like bird. Bleep. That's interesting. You have to admit the dude, who I I, I presume, hey maybe the Jay, maybe it just comes down to the fact Kevin Barker that the the, the Jays like Ghostcake Kato more than uh, than Greg Bird because yeah, he can I think, play more positions.
1: Yeah, I, I, well, I think he's more versatile. That, that uh, one thousand percent. We're talking about running the bases and and manufacturing runs. Who, who can do it better? Oh, you, you know, Kato, you look at him, he's, he's like you said, he's a second baseman who yeah, can play never... third, who can stand at shortstop, who can stand in left field. You know, he's he's probably a second baseman who hits line drives, who's, who's got some decent speed, who can create a little havoc, maybe, and catch the ball when it's hit to him.
0: Maybe he turns into Gio Urshela. Maybe he turns into Derek Fisher. I, I, I yeah, Dude's been around forever. Well, not forever. He's
1: the twenty-eighth guy on a, on a contending team, right okay, now. that's in fair. April. So yeah, we're not going to have an argument. Let's not get crazy. Let's not get crazy about. Congratulations <laughs> to him that he made the team for yeah. the first time. It's pretty cool. But I'm, I'm with you. First time I, I heard that Bird hadn't made the team and w- was released, I I didn't really know. I don't know what to read into it. And even if I read anything into it, well, other, we other just other than you know, if you're Bird, you're thinking, hey, maybe I found something here. Maybe my swings a little bit better. Maybe I can go somewhere and start. And then he gets to the Yankees, and he ain't going to do that. So, so you know, and, and he, I know what he's thinking. He's thinking, hey, I, I see the same lineups that you guys are running out there all the time. And a lot of them get hurt a lot of the times. Yeah, I'm going to have an opportunity. Man. If I'm red hot in yeah, triple I get called up. I can spend half a the year. Already trying,
0: they're already trying to figure out how, how they're going to have DJ, get DJ LeMay who bats with all those infielders. And now they've got this guy. Look, he, he comes north with the Blue Jays. And worst case scenario, he's kind of in a platoon with, with Kirk. For for DHing, uh, I'll I'll just ask you: Where's that left? Where's that lefty power bat off the bench now? The guy you're going to roll out in the eighth inning, Top of you. Ninth inning. Hmm. Maybe,
1: maybe they don't think they need that. Maybe they want That's Maybe they want athleticism and and guys who are versatile and guys can can fill in spots. And you're not you know, so confined to this is what he has to do. He can't do anything else. He's only he's only pinch hitting. He can't pinch hitting and then go in and play a position and do it better than the guy we had in there before. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what they're trying to surround their team with is is guys that are athletic.
0: So this much we know, we know that Ghost K Kato has made the team. And we know that Greg Bird is now a Yankee minor leaguer. Uh, we mentioned a- a- Andrew Vasquez, who another guy, A lot of us thought had made the team. Left-hander with a bit of a funky delivery. He's been optioned to the minors. Um, Kevin, I think that may just be the fact that the Jays know what they have in Taylor Sosedo. He was here last year. And Andrew Vasquez had to outpitch Taylor Saucedo to make this team, and he didn't outpitch him. At least in in the eyes of of, of the coaching staff in front office, yeah, I, I I think it's that simple.
1: That's exactly what it is. We're we're talking about you know taking the best 28 north, and maybe they thought Vasquez were paying him anyway. What difference if we're paying him in AAA or right. paying him in the big leagues because he's got a he's got a big league deal. I. You know, everybody I've talked to about Taylor though, is is throwing strike one to right-handed hitters. He's gotten better at that in spring training. He's, he's doing it with, with a lot of confidence, and he's got a funky arm delivery, which is impossible to pick up. And that's the one thing is they saw that, and they're seeing late life mm-hmm. and strike one to a righty of the three batter rule, you got a lefty coming in late in games. not saying he's going to pitch the eighth and ninth inning unless they just don't have any other choices. But you could see him in the seventh inning. You yep. could see him, you know, pitching. I don't know if it's the meat of the order, but you could see him pitching the five, six,
0: seven. Really what you want out of out of a guy like Saucedo is he wanted to just hold the fort. You don't. You want him to not make stuff worse with See, with I him. don't
1: see it that way. Everybody I've talked to says that's not the case. Like, he, he's competing to take away innings from Barucki and guys that are, you know, David Phelps and Taylor Saseda are going to be the two, uh, you know, you never know. Like if David Phelps can do this and stay healthy and command the zone and, and, you know, pitch to a hitter's weakness, which is what he does better than most guys in that bullpen. And then you had Taylor Saceda doing it from that weird arm angle. And he's a bazillion, you know, inches tall and he's hard to pick up and he can throw strike one they long-winded answer here is they like him mm-hmm. and they're going to give him
0: a chance to get some big outs. So with the understanding that the Jays will play their final Grapefruit League game this afternoon in Baltimore, then fly up to Toronto. Of course, Friday is the home opener. This is how we barring any late acquisitions and everything we were told yesterday. When all these moves started, I thought, okay, maybe something's going on, but everything we were told yesterday and I was all pretty, it was all pretty straightforward. Kinda the Jays, like- the Jays did think, we can say this: the Jays did think that there was a chance Greg Bird was going to resign with them.
1: Tip your hat to the organization for doing it a day ahead of time, so that gives the players a chance to, to get their families where they where they want to go. Now there's some clarity; they're not guessing. That I show up at the ballpark today. Now I'll have no idea if I made the team or not. Now everybody knows. So, so this
0: is 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 what our team looks like right now: Barker and myself. Uh, starting rotation is obvious; it's it's Barrios, Ryu, Manoa, Gossman, Kikuchi. Uh, stripling. Yeah, use six there man will rotation. be sometime in that first month a six-man rotation. Right, be six, yeah, there they will be, be using a six-man rotation. Uh, the bullpen, Romano, Garcia, Meza, Richards, Simber, Meriwether, Barucki, Saucedo, Phelps, and then I guess it's kind of a toss-up between, at least from where I am, between Trent Thornton and Nate Pearson, I, I think you kind of we talked about this before the show. Nate Pearson's a little bit behind, you leave him in Florida, you bring Trent Thornton north with you, and then when Nate Pearson's ready to go, boom, you make the you make that move. Uh that would from where we are right now, again, barring any sort of late yeah. waiver acquisition, that would seem to be so, the case. And uh just running down the rest of the team, Springer Teo, Guriel, Toppy in the outfield, Biggio, Espinal, Bo, Vladdy, Cato, Chapman, Kirk Jansen. Uh, are the catchers i have not heard anything anyway i'm just going to throw this out because i i just don't know any way dexter fowler comes north with absolutely this team? not okay okay i i just you know we just we know that he just showed up and he hasn't had an, the right number of the bats but you never know what he was doing before yada yada etc that was the other not. thing i thought is that maybe dexter fowler
1: is it better in cutout? absolutely not Again, you're trying to fill okay. your team with the best twenty eight you have in your organization. You you looked at their schedule, yeah, 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 yeah it's, 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 it's good. Like it ain't gonna be easy. Well, it ain't good. Well, I mean, it's tough. You're facing some really, yeah. really good teams. You got the Red Sox. You got the Yankees. You got the Astros. Now,
0: The good thing is Chris Sale's out for for two months. I so mean, you're that's gonna... one
1: game. I mean, you got right. You got to score. You gotta, yeah. You got score some runs. You gotta get some some guys throwing some strikes. I want to talk about Kevin Gossman as well, but you wanted to say
0: something about the bullpen. No, no, that, that, that,
1: that last guy. I just think the piggyback situation that you may have with some people like Kikuchi and, and Ryu. That 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 last guy, the Pearson and the Thornton, it may not be either one of those guys. We don't have any idea what's going on with Pearson. No idea. Like, mm-hmm. I, we don't know what the sickness is, how long that's going to last, how long it'll take him to come back from that. You know, is he strong enough? All the things that go into being whatever they want to make make him into, the hybrid situation for him, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to be a guy that, that does what Stripling's doing, is going to give them some of that six-man thing. Because right. Stripling can go from a spot start – to back in that long relief role out of the bullpen, and then that feels back in Nate Pearson when he comes back and is rare and ready to go. Trent Thornton, think? Do you trust Trent Thornton? Like I, that's what I said. I, that last spot, I'm just not sure who that would be, and I don't think right now 100 percent they know who it yeah.
0: is. I mean, look, the only way I want Trent Thornton pitching is if uh, is if it's 16 to one for somebody in the fourth inning, and I don't. I basically am, I'm throwing up.
1: Well, there's the no white reason flag. to have him on your team then. Yeah. Because how many games you can lose sixteen to one? So well, many. I mean, yeah, it happens I'm saying, twice I mean,
0: what, I, what I'm saying is, I don't, I don't necessarily want Trent Thornton in leverage situations. But I, I, yeah, who knows? There could be, there could be some waiver action. I mean, there's still two days before before yeah. they have to set the roster. Yeah. So we, we just, I mean, we just don't know. Maybe there's somebody in the minor leagues they really like, The minor league camp they, they want to add to the team. But that's, that's where we are right now. Uh, we're going to be joined by Pat Tabler in a few minutes, Blue Jays analyst Brian Anderson at 10:45. The Rays adding another shortstop by my count. Now they've got seventeen of them. Isaac Paredes from the Detroit Tigers for Austin Meadows. Yeah, they gave up
1: a guy who got twenty seven homers last year and drove in one hundred and three runs.
0: Crushes the Yankees. He just absolutely, absolutely crushes the Yankees, which you'd think would be important in this division. Of course, as you point out, you know the Rays khakis have probably figured something out. Oh, you know uh, they have- the one thing we uh, Mark Topkin. Of the Tampa Bay Times spoke to some raised people yesterday. And the, the thing they said about Paredes, because he asked the obvious question you got a ton of middle infielders here. I mean, you got middle infielders coming out of the yin yang, even with Joey Wendell being traded. And they said they think Paredes it'll, is a little farther advanced than some of their other young guys. So, in other words, he might be able to help them out while a guy like Bruhan or whoever sounds is, like is a year old. Sounds away. like
1: they're getting ready when the shift's banned athleticism, you can't have enough of them. If you had to trade one of them, we talked get about, some
0: swing and miss stuff, it's what you got to do. We talked about with, with, with the Cubs of one year. The Cubs just basically loaded up in shortstops, thinking shortstop's probably a pretty good athlete. We'll make it fit. So, uh, B.A. Brian Anderson will join us. 11.35, Tad Levine, VP and general manager of the Minnesota Twins. The most surprising move of the offseason, signing Carlos Correa. There were a lot of moves this offseason. At no point did I see the Twins and Carlos Correa linked together. We'll get Tad Levine's uh, thoughts on that. And also the Jose Barrios trade. Because one of the reasons they traded Jose Barrios is they didn't think he was going to sign. They thought he was going to go the free agent route. So we'll talk to Tad Levine about that. Also going to take your calls today. We're going to make this a regular segment, a regular feature of this show. Of course, Blue Jays talk with Blair and Barker will be on after every game, every game. And we'll be taking calls. And uh, the numbers to call are 416 You're going to hear a lot of this. Star 590, one You may get shirts made up for that number on it. And uh, we'll be taking calls at 11 o'clock. Very simple question. In the light of what the Rays have done here, just we'll we'll take a deeper dive in into our National League and American League picks Wednesday and Thursday. We'll just get your a general sense from Jays fans because we haven't talked to you for a while. Everybody's made moves now. Look, this team's good enough to go to the World Series. The odds makers say it is. Most of the national commentators say it is. I think this team's good enough to go to the World Series. I'm just going to ask you. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you. Do the Jays, do they have to go to the World Series this year for this season to be a success? 416-870-0590, star 590. one Kevin Gossman made his Grapefruit League debut yesterday. And uh, Mr. Barker, it, it was his first Grapefruit League appearance of the spring. Uh, he's been pitching in the minor league complex. Again, that's nothing to read into that. Guys are on their own program, and it's about getting your pitches in, getting yourself built up. Kevin, I watched that game, and I came away thinking that looks to me like that looks to me like a veteran starting pitcher making his final start of the spring. Sixty, what was it? Sixty-six pitches mm-hmm. uh, through everything. Uh, gave up a home run, I believe. He did. He gave up a home run uh, to uh, was it Willie Castro? Right, hit Javier Baez with a pitch. Looked to me like a veteran dude making his last start of the spring. Looked yeah. good to go.
1: Yeah, well, the the, the one thing I would noticed is what we had the conversation with John Snyder was on about how you match up the catcher to the right pitcher on the mound, right? And you started, and, get,
0: and and Kirk was catching yesterday.
1: Yeah, and so so you're seeing Kirk behind the plate, and you're you're wondering why why is Kirk catching him? And then you notice that Kirk's not very good at at receiving the elevated baseball, whether that's a fastball, whether that's a hang and break ball, whatever it is, for whatever reason, he's stabby on the Mm -hmm. elevated ball, whether it's somewhere around his mask or above that to try and steal that two-strike pitch, which normally you don't have to do. You want to try and steal the the ball that's down. That's Kirk's strength. You know, he's smaller in stature. He's got a little wider base now. And you could see he wasn't stabbing at that splitting. That was down. He would, like, give with it, and then, like, he was setting it and sort of rolling into it to give that. You know, that umpire, an easy look, you know, the, the blind guy that standing behind the catcher, an oh, easier geez, look of, I mean, yeah. you know, he's umpires. sticking that pitch. So that that's sort of the first thing I, that I thought of because I remember John Snyder talking about, you know, who, who he's matching up and who's catching certain guys. And, and I'm with you. The first thing I'd noticed is how funky he was. Like all the things that were going on, right, the wind up and all that thing and, and how... All of this has evolved into, doesn't matter if you have wind windup anymore. It's, it's not about momentum anymore. It's about deception. It's about looking the same over and over and mm-hmm. over again. And you saw he's got a lot of moving parts out there. And if I'm hitting against him, how do I time all of that up so he can steal some things like that? Because it is a new Kevin Gosman. Okay, let me ask you this, because
0: that is a, that's a great point. You're standing at the plate, and you've got a guy like that you've got a guy who doesn't have the you know the 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 tailor the perfect delivery right you've got you've got a guy who's what are you looking for if you if you're a hitter what what do you what do you zoning cuz you got to pick one thing right Generally, you got to pick one thing. Yeah, You're not well, going to be watching that arm or that leg or the head or the shoulder. What do you pick in on? Well, or, yeah, that, that's, that's on a, that's a great question because he throws 95, 95. it's not
1: 85. So, you you know, you can't let the ball travel and try and right. see it later. And you got to catch it out of his hand. And he's got – he's very – you can notice all the stuff that went on. He's got the bent back knee and he's got the toe and he's doing like the bouncing thing. And we're on TV April 11th. I'm going to – do a little bit of this so people can see and what, you know, your thought process would be when you're standing at the plate and how you're timing these kind of things up and, you know, how small your movements need to be against a certain guy like that. It's just, you know, and again, how fast he was getting the ball out of his glove to his his release point and how tough that would be for a hitter to pick that up and tell the difference because the splitty and the fastball, when it's 95 – and in his split fingers, eighty four, which is about what it is. I think he was throwing some some sinking change ups that he was working on. He was throwing them righties and lefties more to lefties than he was righties, but he's not afraid to throw that too. So he's got three pitches that are tunneling, that all look the same, and it's about eleven mile an hour difference. That's a lot, and then you got that all that stuff going on out there. So he adds a he adds a problem to a hitter and the on deck. He's sort of trying to watch the Tigers hitters on the on deck circle, and they're doing whatever they're doing. And you could see the like their movements were smaller. He's, you know, it's, it's, I like that. Like, I I think he has to do that to be good in the American league East because he has two pitches. I know he's going to sprinkle in the, you know, the, the slider and the, and the, the sink and change up with the mile per hour difference. And he's going to mainly rely on the four seamer elevate it with two strikes strikes and the tunneling split finger off the four seamer. But I like all the other movement. And I think he has to do that in the American league East. I, you know, I think they're in a, they're a good spot with the first two guys. I don't know about you, but I watch Brios, Brios going to do his thing when he's spinning it and can do it two different ways, early in counts, late in counts, he'll he'll do what he has to do to give him a chance to win. And I like what he what he was showing yesterday. Like the I don't think it matters anymore that
0: they don't, you know, pitch in big league games, do you? No, I've kind of moved away from that uh, I mean, you know, covering. We used to make a big deal about it covering you know, covering covering major league spring training. And I look and and there was a time where the idea that you would skip a pitcher, you, you wouldn't want him facing the Yankees because he would be facing them the second week of the season or something like that. You wouldn't do that. You just basically you'd try to guys that try to get in their routines. What you used to see a lot were B games. And I don't know. You probably played. Did you? You played in B games? Because sure there's not as many as there used to be. And B games were great because generally it would be in the morning, uh, free admission if you were a fan, and it was essentially you were probably going to get your starting pitcher. Teams would arrange. They'd say, "Hey, you know what? We got a lot of pitchers in camp. We want to stretch this guy out to eighty pitches." Can you guys send a team over from the Phillies complex, and we'll have a B game? And you know, yeah. you bring over whoever you want, and if you want us to stack our lineup with right-handed hitters because you want to see your lefties, we'll do all that. So it was kind of an unofficial game with umpires, and but it was a way of guys getting a uh, guys getting their their work in. And it's just so much it's it's so much different now. I'll, I'll tell you what: if twelve years ago a guy didn't make his first Grapefruit League start until the third last day of spring, they'd be like. Red flags everywhere. Yeah, There'd be red flags everywhere. Mm -hmm. Nobody would believe the front office said, well, this guy's on his own routine. This guy is is doing what he's doing. He's in the minor league camp.
1: I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I I do think they tried to hide him from teams that are going to see the split finger consistently, because he does have two different ways. Yeah. You, you saw yesterday. He's not, are I am saying that would a lot. No,
0: I am saying that that would that wouldn't have been done twelve years ago. No, no, no. They, they, they wouldn't smart. have hit They would have just run out.
1: It's not smart now because the American League East and where the Blue Jays are trying to go, and how much this guy means to them. Right. And if you got a little element of surprise, obviously the more you see something, bear chance yep. you got to lay in off it because most of the time, if you notice yesterday, that thing with, you know, I don't want to say all the time, but most of the time, it's not a strike. Yeah. Like he got a couple, and occasionally you can tell he'll slow it down and really want it to. I don't want to say he massages it, massages it, but he'll just sort of like, okay, I want it to go there, so I'm going to sort of just get ease it over there, just so it's an easy, still a strike, maybe a 0-0 pitch, maybe a one O pitch to get back an account. But then he's got the one that right goes strike the ball. I again, I will just by that one time seeing him with Kirk. Seeing that he didn't shake off a ton, I know he's only mainly got two pitches. I know he's working on the changeup yesterday. I know he's working on the the slider that we saw him throw to righties and lefties, which not too many guys throw sliders to lefties because of the bat path. Again, I'm with you. Like if, you know, he wanted some confidence going away from this thing,
0: I think he got it. Pat Tabler is our Blue Jays analyst on Sportsnet. Brian Anderson is a Tampa Bay Rays TV analyst. He's a former major league pitcher. Both of them will join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. reminder that you can subscribe to Blair and Barker the podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast please rate review and subscribe we're on from 10 to noon eastern on Sportsnet 590 the fan until the end of the hockey season and uh, we will be doing Blue Jays talk immediately following every Blue Jays game on Sportsnet 590 the fan you can also get that as a podcast as well uh opening day, or opening night to be specific, is Friday against the Texas Rangers and we'll be on the air from three to five that day uh as we get you set for the start of the twenty twenty-two championship season.
1: Oh you said it for the first time. I almost believe that almost, almost, believe, almost uh, is this the first year we're not getting a raise up? That's
0: that's the question. This is the first year. No, I got, the Jays. I got the Jays winning the AL, I'll tell you that. <clears throat> I tell you the AL else. or the AL East? No, I got them winning the American. They're going to the World Series. I'm not going to tell you whether or not they're going to win. There'll be time to talk about that. I'll, wow. I'll, I'll tell you whether or not. I think. But they're going to the World Series. I might as well say it. Like well, you already did. I could, be, I could be safe and go, oh, yeah. yeah blah, 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 blah. You already said it. The Yankees. No, I'm going to go with the Jays.
1: Well, you're going to have to wait who I chose.
0: Huh? I'm not telling you. I know who you're going to choose. You're going to choose the White Sox. Let's bring him Pat Tabler, Blue Jays analyst on Sportsnet. Mr. Tabler, thank you so much for doing this. Um boy, it's uh, it's it's great to hear your voice again. Great to chat with you. It's been a while. Uh, a lot to talk about, but I just this whole thing with Greg Bird. Now, I understand Greg Bird is like the twenty-eighth guy on the on on the roster. The you know, he's he was gonna be a left-handed bat off the bench, et cetera, et cetera. But Pat, come on, you're with one club yeah. for spring training you probably it, it looks like you got a shot to go north and you go to them and say, I, I'd like my release or they give you your release and you end up signing with the Yankees and, and going to triple A. Like, do you see anything here? I'll just ask you, do you think the Jays maybe said, you know what? We like uh, we like Gosuke Kato better.
2: Uh, I man, that was the craziest thing. I, I was shocked when I heard about that. I thought for sure that he was a lock. To make this team got off to a great start, he loved it over there, had a chance to visit with him over at the p v c and he said boy they, these uh, the blue jays really line up with my values and my thought process of like you know work and recover and and everything at the p v c like lined up he said he 's not never been happier. This is a good fit for me. I thought he was a lock, and then the next thing you know he <laughs> Released and released, and they go a different direction. Crazy things happen in spring training, as you guys know, and uh, that one was uh, that one came from left field.
1: Tabby, speaking of locks, uh, you know, it just sounds like in the offseason they'd made up their mind that Lourdes Guerrero Jr. is going to hit fifth and, and protect whoever's sitting fourth. You know, that probably is Teoscar Hernandez or Bo Bichette. Have you seen anything different from Lourdes, whether it be what he's taking at the plate, whether his stance is different, uh, does he have a different demeanor? Have you seen anything that would tell you that he's been working on something and he looks different?
2: The, the only thing I can see, I, I can see some experience there. In the bats that he had in the games that I, that I saw firsthand, he didn't panic at all. When, when there were guys on base or when he came up, there were times in his career that he would swing at pitches out of the, out of the strike zone. Uh, you, could, you could pitch to him. He would get anxious. He looked very calm. The game had slowed down for him, and I think he's a really good fit hitting behind Teoscar hey if that's where he is. Because uh, remember, he was going to be the number three hitter uh, when he first came mm-hmm. up. He he hit number three, and he was that was going to be his position. He usually, put the best hitter hitting third, but I like him there in those RBI situations because I don't think the uh, the moment's too big for him. I don't think he gets too excited. I I, I like his stroke. From uh, the time they moved back to Toronto, uh, the last 52 games, I think they went 34 and 18, and he hit 302 and drove on, drove in a boatload of runs. And with his stroke, I think that's a, a good RBI guy. If I'm putting a team together and I've got my number four guy, and if that is Teos or whoever, and they don't drive him in, I want a guy who's going to put the the bat on the ball. He's going to make contact. He's a high-average hitter because he's probably going to drive in that run. So if your number four guy doesn't do it, your number five guy, I want an average guy who can hit around 300 like Lourdes can. And um, that would be a good fit for him because he's going to have a lot of opportunities to drive in runs. For his stance and everything, he made an adjustment last year. We all know about that. Uh, With his long arms, I think he's better suited uh, to where he is. And he can handle the outside pitch, and now he can handle the inside pitch a lot better. So that's a good call, I think, putting him behind uh, Tay Oscar.
1: Okay, I want you to put your manager hat on. Me and Jeff have been, been watching the the lineups. We've been, you know, watching how they run through two through four. Now, we know who's going to lead off in George Springer. But it just seems like they they don't have their mind made up, I think. Or maybe they do, and they just don't want to tell anybody of who's hitting second, who's hitting third, and who's hitting cleanup. If you're the manager of this team, do you like Vladdy hitting third, or do you like him hitting second? (laughs) I don't think I can
2: say this fast enough, okay? Put a time watch on me. (laughs) Bouchette, Guerrero, Hernandez. Boom. Done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's For me, I think there's no question that that should be be the, um, the lineup. The way Bo hits, hits for a high average. He's got speed, high on-base percentage, can drive in big runs, hit him second, hits the ball all over the place. I want those two guys up in the first inning, period. I want Bichette and Guerrero up in the first two innings. When both hit fourth, there's no guarantee. So Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, your best hitter, there's going to be RBI opportunities, I think, more for for Vladdy in the number um, three hole. We talked a bit about it a little bit on the broadcast, if Danny Jansen's hitting ninth, Springer first, Vladdy second, there's gonna be opportunities. I don't think there's going to be the, the RBI opportunities with Danny Nine Springer and then Vlady for for myself. That that I would rather I I would rather have a, a high on base percentage guy in the number nine hole if Vladdy's hitting second. If Vladdy's hitting third, I want Springer Bouchette. Guerrero, Hernandez, Gurriel, and
0: so on and so on. What's your confidence level in a Biggio-Espinal platoon at second base?
2: Whose confidence? My confidence or the Blue Jays' confidence or their confidence? Yours. Mine? I got no problems with that. I got no – Blue Jays have plenty of offense. Catch the ball. Catch the ball if you're playing second base. And they can both do that. Cavan uh, looks so much more comfortable playing second base when I put my eyes on him this last week than he did at third base. I think that's his position, and I think he, he feels better there. And he can be just another one of the guys, both of those guys. They'll hit down in the order. The pressure's off of them. You don't have to produce 20 home runs or anything like that, like Marcus Simeon did. Just catch the ball, play good baseball, play good defense, and be one of the guys – and they'll have a great year. I'm very confident with, with those two guys playing second
1: base. Tab- Tabby, how do you think they're going to handle the two lefties in the rotation the first month of the season in Ryu and Kikuchi? Are, are they, you think they'll piggyback them a little bit? Do you think maybe they'll use a six-man rotation? I know they've, they've talked about that and thrown that against the wall. That's why they're stretching out Stripling. But how do you think they're going to – I don't want to say massage them through the first month, but you know, work them through to get them off to a, to a decent start?
2: I, I think they have it all mapped out uh where uh the first month of the season that they have it mapped out that in certain series uh certain guys are going to be facing that that, that team. So in the Yankees series I think Manoa uh faces them and he's had a lot of success against them and Ryu's not. And I I I think it the way it's mapped out with Barrios, Gosman, Manoa, Ryu, Kikuchi. In those series, you'll always see like a Barrios, a Manoa, or a Gosman, and then you have like Ryu avoid pitching against the Yankees because his numbers aren't aren't good against the Yankees. I think you avoid him pitching against uh, either the Boston or Red Sox or Houston. I have to map it out. I don't have it in front of me, but they have it mapped out in that way that. In those series, your better pitchers are going to either be starting the series or ending the series, so you can win that series. And it's uh, it's brilliant what they've done. So I I that I see that rotation. I see uh, Barrios, Cosman, Manoa, Ryu, Kikuchi. Let's roll it. Let's roll with five guys. If we need to skip a guy or if we need to to bring in Ross Stripling or somebody else to to cover those innings. They can do that because they got a tough schedule at the beginning and they play 30 out of 31 days, but let's just roll with them and use April to build those guys up. But uh, I think I see them just going with
0: those five guys and then um, using the bullpen a lot. Tabby, do they have enough swing and miss stuff in the bullpen?
2: With Romano, yes. Garcia, yes. If Julian Merriweather pitches the way that he's capable of, yes. Mesa, yes. Uh, Simber and Richards are different guys, but they give them different looks. And forget about the swing and miss. They're like, you know, sixth, seventh inning guys. So at the back end, Mesa and Romano and Garcia, yeah, three guys that can do it. So that I think that's, that's well enough. That's good. That works for me. Uh, Garcia, I think, is going to be a – a huge uh, upgrade, and I think he's going to be a uh, a welcome addition for, as a as like a late-inning guy. If Romano can't close, he can. He can set him up however they want to use him. I think they have enough arms in that bullpen. And if Nate Pearson gets back, and I think it's going to be a while, but when he gets back, you throw him in there, there's some more swing and miss. So, yeah, I think they have enough.
0: That would be really good of you to join us. I look forward to seeing you in Toronto this week. Thanks. It's going to be a lot of fun. Opening day is going to be something else. It will be. Take care, my friend. Thanks,
2: Ted. Okay, guys. Have a great guy. Uh, great day, guys.
0: You too. That's Pat Tabler, Blue Jays analyst on Sportsnet. A couple of items just passed as uh, as uh, Tabby was talking. The Dodgers have signed Dylan Batansis to a contract. Uh, it'll be a minor. It, it, he he's going to start in the minors. He is of course rehabbing, uh, but Dylan Batansis signing with the Dodgers. If you look at the pictures, the Dodgers have rehabbing. This is the pictures they have rehabbing. So guys who may join them during the year: Tommy Canley, Canley, mm-hmm. second one, Dustin May, mm-hmm. Danny Duffy, Dylan Betances, and Jimmy Nelson.
1: Yeah, Dustin May sounds to me like the only one there can help him. The other
0: guys, the other guys might be, but uh, you don't know what Dylan Betances. Hey, I mean again, we've we've. All we've said is, you know, that we you, you don't know what pitching is going to be like this year because because of the shortened spring. Uh, if Dellin Betances is healthy and can be eighty five percent of the guy he was when he was healthy, the division they're in, they're probably going to win that division pretty easy. I mean, they're they're more gearing up
1: for the playoffs. They need names in the playoffs with the, the lights are the brightest. They don't look like some of those yeah. Astros pitchers, you know. The, yeah,
0: you know, the other thing they need too is if if they do if they do have a relatively comfortable lead. In their division. There you go. You may want to start playing some games with your pitchers. Yeah, you may, maybe you're Maybe you're, you're, you want to back off your relievers a little bit. If you've got a, if you got like a nine game, and nine or a, a, a 10 and a half game lead going into the final seven days of the season, maybe you use some of these other guys, but it's.
1: Just, yeah. But you remember too, you also want the best record in the national league. So you can, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're that, that whole playoff situation should, is a little easier for have,
0: you. They could have the best record in the national league sewing up by phew, the 1st of September. They're awfully good.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. they, their, they their are, payroll is going to be close to three hundred million by yeah. the All Star break.
0: Yeah, but the Mets payroll is going they to be up. close. The Mets payroll is going to be up there, and they're not. I don't think the Mets are going to the postseason. So, no. oh, really? Uh, uh, that's that's strong. <laughs> uh, also, Buster only reporting that uh, Major League Baseball has given approval for the use of PitchCom if uh, catchers, pitchers, and infielders want it. And some more details on that. The pitch device will be used by the catcher, pitcher, shortstop, second baseman, and center fielder. You can, so basically you can have up to five up guys middle. wearing it. Yeah. Most teams are saying they will have their guys up the middle because, you know, the center fielder can direct the other guys as to where they be the, positioned. Captain's position. the field. Right. Uh, so teams are going to be allowed to use it. And, and, Kevin, we've talked about this from talking to folks with the Jays. I think some of their pitchers are going to use it. I think some of them don't want anything to do with it. And that's just... That's the way it's going to be right now.
1: Yeah, it's an easy, it's an easy way to keep teams from, from figuring out ways to, to figure out if you're tipping pitchers or not. You know, it's not anymore about how they're stealing signs about the catcher, putting the fingers down. It's not about that anymore. It's about windups and whether you're doing something different with your glove and, you know, how you're gripping the baseball. There's so many cameras and trying to figure out little ways to give that hitter an yeah. advantage is, is exactly what they're trying to do. And, and if you can like hide that a little...
0: This is and this is
1: also about pace of play,
0: like you know, sign well, stealing and all that. League. That's that's yeah, that that is very much part of it. But come uh, tr- on,
1: trust me, these pitching coaches care about care less about
0: how fast the game is. No, uh, but what I'm what I'm saying is, Major League if, Baseball, yes. Major League Baseball wouldn't bring this in, sure, if it was going to slow the game down. I love it when I saw it with the the, the, Blues, I do too. the Jays doing it.
1: I, I loved it. You know, I'm not sure the catchers are fans of it. I, I we haven't talked a whole ton about.
0: It's being tough on the catch. Did uh, Did you hear the story? The story Schulman told about uh, Danny Jansen the first time beeping he was it. using it. He was playing around with it, beeping it to see how it worked. And Adam Simbers in the bullpen warming up, and Simbers hearing him in his ear. so You know you th- there there are going to be some there are going to be some some technical technological things that are going to have to be wor- worked out. Somebody sent me a, 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 um, that uh, Graham McMullen sent us a, a, a DM me a little earlier and wondered about. You know, look, baseball's just—we're still talking about baseball having issues with electronics and security. Now you're introducing this, and I said, you know, keep in mind the NFL's used coach to to QB communication since yeah, 1994.
1: Let's not think this thing. Look, I just think for me, if you notice, the catchers, catchers got all this gear on, and they got all these things running up their arm with the with the velcro strap, and they're opening it up, and they're figuring out what pitch guy, what can't hit, and all these things are going on. What you just throw that off of? If you watch Danny Jansen, he'll flip that thing over, open. He'll look at what it, he wants to call. Then he turns his wrist over, and he hits fastball, and then he hits another button that's fastball in. It's a lot going on there. I'm just telling you, like, that's, that's a
0: little bit of a. There should be one. Don't throw that bleep again. Yeah, yeah. That's dumb. Be- <laughs> it should be like <laughs> no more 80-poo miles an hour from you. Let's bring in Brian Anderson, Tampa Bay Rays TV Uh, analyst, former Major League pitcher. Mr. Anderson, thank you so much for joining Barker and myself. Hey, former pitcher, would you have liked to be using Pitchcom in a game?
3: (laughs) You know, that's an interesting question because I've never really thought of it. Um, You know, I know that that's coming on and obviously may be a part of the game sooner rather than later. I probably would not have liked it, just the – you know just added noise I wouldn't want you know I knew what I wanted to do as a pitcher, what the game plan was, um, and you know once I delivered a pitch, I pretty much immediately knew what I wanted to go to right after that. Now it didn't always work out, but I knew what I wanted to do at that point, it comes down to execution to have someone in my ear i don't think that uh, I don't think I like that, but guess what? I'm an old guy, too. I'm a, I'm a yell-at-the-clouds, old-school-type guy. This generation's different, and they have been wired in since they came out of the womb, so it probably isn't a big deal to the guys today.
0: Uh, explain the Austin Meadows transaction last night. I mean, I look at the Rays, and the one thing that doesn't scream at me is they need middle infielders. I, you know, maybe I, I, I admit I haven't done a deep dive into their organization, but... They've added a shortstop. Can you, uh, can you explain that to us?
3: You know what? The Rays, as an organization, loves the shortstop position because obviously that is usually where your most athletic infielder plays and the Rays, over the years, have taken short stops. And if there's not a spot for them there, and it doesn't look like there's going to be a spot there for a long time with Wander Franco going to be manning that position, but they feel that they can take that eight athlete and be able to move him around the diamond, move him to second base if something uh, happens with Brandon Lau down the road. Move him to the outfield. The Rays did that with B.J. Upton. He became a pretty good center fielder. And so they feel that shortstops, the athleticism that comes with that position, that they can use them as a chess piece and move them around and, and find a spot for him. And, you know, of course, the Rays, much like a lot of teams nowadays, really value versatility. And that's what Ezog Paredes is going to give them. On the flip side, the Austin Meadows um, trade with him moving on, not really much of a surprise because the Rays are dealing with a surplus of, of outfielders. You know, you've got Randy Arozarena, Kevin Kiermeyer. They really like Brett Phillips. They really like Manuel Margot. And by trading Austin Meadows, it now opens up a spot potentially for Josh Lowe, a very talented outfielder that is pretty much ready to be in the big leagues, one of the Rays' top prospects. And so that trade obviously opens the door for him, and uh, so that's why they they look to make it. And, by the way, like the Rays and and the way they do things, it it saves them some money.
1: How do you think the rotation looks going into 2022?
3: I think it looks really good, but there's still, uh, you know, some unknown because of how young it is. You know, Sheen McClanahan is your opening day starter. Now, he had a wonderful year a season ago, and he got postseason experience. He's pitched in some big venues and some big games. That will help him out. But, again, he's very young. Corey Kluber, can he stay healthy? know what he's capable of. Can he stay healthy? That's been an issue the last couple of seasons. Drew Rasmussen spent most of – 2021 coming out of the bullpen transitioned into a starter. He's going to be a five inning type of starter looking to uh, still expand his arsenal because primarily he was a fastball slider guy and he doesn't have a ton of experience. And then you've got Luis Patino young. You've got Ryan Yarbrough, the crafty lefty, Josh Fleming, some other guys that can fit in. Uh, it's a very talented, um, you know, uh, starting rotation, but it's also very young and the one thing that the Rays are going to do to protect that youth is they're not going to ask too much of these guys. You're not going to see Rays starters, for the most part, you know, get into the to, to the seventh inning. You will very rarely see that. They're going to ask these guys to give them five, five plus, and then they're going to turn it over to their very talented and very diverse bullpen.
1: So I'd have to ask you, is that is that year long or is that just in April? Because we look at the Blue Jays and you know they're talking about six man rotation. They're talking about piggybacking. That won't be a thing with the, with the race. This is sort of a year-long thing you're talking about.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, listen, when you talk about April, uh, it, that's going to be interesting to watch around the league in general. I think when you look at this season, the way that it has unfolded because of the season being pushed back and obviously a very shortened spring training, teams that have great depth and focus on getting off to a quick start – that is going to be very beneficial because if you think about it, you're going to still spend most of April playing spring training type baseball. You've got expanded rosters to 28. That's where the depth comes in because of the uh, of that roster being expanded by two. You're going to use everybody on your roster. So the 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 better depth that you have, and that's a real strength of the Rays, the more that it's going to benefit you. And getting off to a quick start because you know I talk about the Rays starters, them asking them to go five five plus and then turn it over to the bullpen. They may not even get five innings out of them here at the beginning of the season. They may be getting four-plus. I don't think a race starter in spring training has hit five innings. I think they've been around three and two-thirds, three and a third. So it's going to be short. The bullpen's going to have to be very strong, and that's going to be the way it is around baseball, and that's why that quick start matters because it's not going to be a normal beginning of the season. It's still going to be being played somewhat like spring training, still stretching guys out. So who can take advantage of
0: that? Ryan, the Rays have gone to the postseason three times. They've had two straight seasons as the best team in the AL. They're coming off a franchise best win season. Uh, Understanding we have not seen the first pitch of opening day thrown yet. Where do you think, what do you think is a realistic or realistic expectations for this team? If you had to look at, you know, perhaps wins and losses. I mean, I know that you know. You look at. I've seen some folks predict the Rays will have ninety-one wins. I've seen some folks predict they have eighty-six wins. It's going to be a tough AL East. We know that. Where do you see this team right now compared to the teams of the past three seasons?
3: Well, as as good as this team is, and I don't see any reason for there to be a, a real drop off for them outside of the fact that they play in a very tough division. Obviously, knowing what Toronto brings, and, and, you know, they're one of the sexy picks to get to the World Series with the talent that they've been able to accumulate, that young core, the pitching staff top to bottom, uh, you know, that's obviously a a strengthened team. Boston trying to better themselves. You know, the Yankees are always going to factor in. Uh, I think you've got to take advantage of Baltimore and, and beat up on the teams in your division that are you know, clearly not going to be able to contend. That's going to be a big swing for all the teams in the East. How well do you play against Baltimore in those 19 games? I think that turns out to be a, a big deal. But to answer your question, I don't think the Rays get to 100 wins again, if that's what you're asking. Mm-hmm. And I think that 90, 90 is a nice Starting point. And you could see 88, you could see 92, 93, you could see 85. But I think that 90 is that target type area that I look for this raised team. Um, the only real concern that I would have, again, is just the overall youth of the starting rotation. They're, you know, talented, but young, and they've not gone through, all of them have not gone through a full six month season of starts. And so I'd like to see how. The Rays handle that. How they parse their innings, and uh, you know, and, and how these guys can finish out the season. But I think ninety is a nice target area. What
1: What are you expecting from Wander Franco at the end of the season? What What do you think his numbers will look like?
3: Boy, I don't know. You know, back in the day, it, it's funny because batting averages. You know, you had guys in, in my era. You know, they'd hit three thirty, three forty. You don't see that anymore. The, mm. the batting averages aren't aren't. they just not there. So I, I think that he is going to. You know his power is emerging. He's going to hit a ton of doubles. Um, he'll he'll sprinkle in some triples too because he runs hard on the base paths. His average and on base percentage will be outstanding. I, I could see the average approaching 300 and the on base well into the mid 350s uh, or into the mid 300s. It may be, you know he's got a, a tremendous approach at the plate, a very discerning eye at the plate from both sides. He's a line drive gap to gap gap hitter and just oozing with confidence. You know, he's got the big contract, so he doesn't have to worry uh, about playing for any uh, any sort of uh, money. And he gained valuable experience. In fact, he was the Rays' best player in that uh, playoff series against the Red Sox. Uh, he really went right after them. He was 7 out of 19 in that series. So, you know, a ton of experience, a ton of confidence, and he is just a outstanding player with an outstanding motor he plays the game hard he plays the game the right way he works hard and I can see him putting up some really big numbers um you know this year maybe not in the home run department but certainly run scored extra base hits average on base percentage you expect big things from him
1: we we always have this conversation where Vladdy should hit in the lineup second or third where will the race put Wander Franco
3: I think Wander Franco is going to be in the two hole. Yeah. I think that you're going to have, uh, you know, against lefties, you're going to have Randy Orozarena lead off. Against righties, you're going to have Brandon Lau, and then you're going to turn it right over to Franco. And then after that, who knows? Because last season, 162 games, Kevin Cash ran out 158 different lineups, if you can believe that. That's not easy to do.
0: <laughs> Brian, we appreciate you doing this as always, my friend. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Well-
3: Hey boys, uh great to talk to you, and, and that means that real baseball that counts is right around the corner, and I can't wait.
0: Can't wait. Take care, Brian. See you, boys. Brian Anderson, Tampa Bay Rays, TV mm-hmm. analyst, former major league pitcher.
1: Well, I asked the question. You know, yeah. we're we're here in the Nationals, Juan Soto putting him in a two-hole a two-hole. We're Wonder putting Frank on the two? That's their best player. That's their best hitter.
0: They want to get this guy as many at bats as possible. Freddie Freeman is in the two-hole I, I know. I listen. Listen, I'm 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 with you. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what the opening day lineup looks like. We'll see what the opening day lineup looks like. Um, I I do, I will say this. I am a big believer that when you do have a player like Vladdy Jr., you do listen to him. You do listen to the player. Do you? Yeah, I think you do. When you're trying to win a World Series? Do you? I think you do. What's better for your team? I think you listen to Vladdy. That's just me. I'm I'm looking at it both ways because I agree that he should be second in the lineup, but I, I could also see that... You may want to have a certain bedside manner, shall we say, <laughs> with Flatty Jr. Hey, what happens when a guy makes a major league team? We're going to give you a little insight into that. We're going to take your calls at 416 870 0590 star 590 1 590. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan or wherever you get your favorite podcast.